0: If you could join with me again to the Gospel according to Luke third chapter, looking at those verses again, verses seven to fourteen. I'm going to read from the New Living a Translation. Those who have the Word of God, we thank you to standing with us in the honoring and reading of God's Word. We're going to be there. So if you're not there, say hold on. All right, I'm glad we're there. Let us begin together. Hopefully, we all arrive to the same conclusion. Verse seven of the New Living Translation reads this way: When the crowds came to John for baptism, he said, "You brood of snakes, who warns you to flee God's coming wrath? Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God." Don't just say to each other, we're safe, for we are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now, the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the root of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. The crowds ask, what should we do? John replied, if you have two shirts, give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry. Even corrupt tax collectors came to be baptized and asked, teacher, what should we do? He replied, collect no more taxes than the government requires. What should we do? Ask some soldiers. John replied, don't. Extort money or make false accusations and be content with your pain. Praise God for us, where you may be seated. As you take your seat, if you can help me announce this to your neighbor, what does transformation look like? Amen, amen. If you can help tell it to your other name, make sure they heard it too. Tell them what does transformation look like? Amen, I want to again read from the in- new International Version uh, when you look at this gospel according to Luke in the third chapter, when I want to highlight that verse that arrested them, that had them shook. New Living translation says, "You brood of snakes." but NIV says John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, "You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee." from the coming wrath. This is interesting to look at this, that those who are coming out were coming to be baptized, and he addressed them and called them, you brood of vipers, who warned you of the coming wrath. Because he's addressing them, because he's preaching baptism of repentance. In verse 3, he said John, it says that he is preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So he understood their desire for forgiveness was coming, but he want them to look and to ponder, to think about what does transformation look like. In other words, what is the fruit of repentance? How do you know when one has had life changing event in their life? How do you know? Well, points out maybe their life has changed. If your life has a life changing event, then it should be a difference in the way you live your life. This is what John is preaching to them who are coming to be baptized, that if you're coming out here, there should be a change in your character, in your nature, in your walk, in your speech, in your governance. That there should be something different in how you are now than where you were before. So the desire for forgiveness of sins is one's life. Is, it should be showing living a life of repentance. Living a life of repentance means you have a change of mind, changing in in, in all of elements composing of one's life means you will change your attitude, you'll change your thoughts and your behaviors all concerning the demands that are given to live our life for Christ. This is all in view of God parting in you, releasing you, canceling your debt, forgiving you of sin, which is wrongdoing and breaking outright rebellion of God's law. Can I say that one more time? That I am living a life of repentance because of what God has done for me by forgiving me from breaking his law, living a life of rebelliousness, living a life away from him, that I changed my mind, I repented, and no longer do I live to satisfy and gratify my flesh but now my desire is to live a life that's obedient that is enjoying the will of god by searching to search and live out his will above mine so that's why john is looking at them saying why are you coming out are you coming out to do the will of god are you coming out because you know that his wrath is coming or are you coming out because you desperately desire transformation the audience that John is preaching to believed that they were safe from God's wrath because they could cl- lay claim that they are children of Abraham. John calls them offsprings of vipers. <laughs> they say we are descendants of Abraham. He calls them a brood or an offspring of vipers. We understand when you hear that word viper that you might think of an exotic car, but most times you're going to think of a poisonous snake. And we oftentimes, when you call somebody a snake, is not a compliment. Not even, if you, and and even more so, it must be a worse worse to be a poisonous snake. A non-poisonous snake can bite you, yet you still may live. A poisonous snake bites you. Ha <laughs> ha! It's over. <laughs> See. Even a snake that does not have poison can accidentally bite you. You can walk away and say, I got bit by a snake. But if you get bit by a poison snake, you're not going to walk away oftentimes. And if you do walk away, you're going to fall short because of the poison. But what he's pointing out to them that what a uh, same thing as a viper, what makes a viper a poisonous snake, what makes a poison snake dangerous is what's inside of it. And what's inside of them is poison. What we make in our saliva glands helps us to digest their food. It's the same thing for a poisonous snake. It's nothing different in them. It's just what they make. And so what they make is dangerous and venomous and killing is on the inside. And so we too didn't realize that God and my poison is on the inside. So do I need to be changed from the inside out? That when someone sees me, they see my character is different because my appetite has changed. But we see here the audience he's preaching to come out to him and saying that, hey, we are good. We're children of Abraham. That's sort of like people being in the church say, I'm good because I go to church. John calls them offsprings, broods, survivor, of he seems to show them that to escape the wrath of God means he 's questioning their motives, realizing why do you come to the church? why do you come out to the wilderness? Why do you do what you do? What are your motives? What is your reason? One, they need to change their character. Of being known as brood of vipers, to being known as followers of God. Children, truly, the children that follow Abraham and seek in his will, who knows the will and live out his will. When they do this, they will, not, they will not just be acting it, but they'll be showing it by having proof of transformation, which is fruit of repentance. Do you see here clearly that he points out to them that you claim to be children of Abraham? That means nothing. God can turn these stones into children of Abraham. He's saying you claim to be son, but God can make a more faithful generation, a more faithful generation out of these inanimate objects. So in that you are, you are basically saying that you are less than these stones. Y'all catch that? You are less than these stones. That God can choose these stones and make children of Abraham. If you claim that's what you are, then he can make these stones into that. <laughs> But even that, if God makes them, he's going to make a faithful generation because God's choosing those who wants to be faithful and to obey his covenant. But we know that the children of a- of, of Israel, the children of Abraham were hard headed, stiff necked, hard at heart. God had to put up with their grumbling and complaining. And so now they're coming out to the wilderness, looking for the one who's making the crooked path straight. That's preparing the way for the king. They're coming out to say his wrath is coming. What must we do to change? He's pointing out to them. I'm glad that you're coming out here who has warned you, seen the sense this, that somebody told him something was coming. Well, John said, it wasn't me, because if you came out to me, you're going to know why you're coming out here. But since you're coming out here wh- who told you his wrath was on his way, but I'm not going to baptize you because of, of a fake confession but i'm baptizing you because you truly believe that you are in need of forgiveness of sins and you're baptizing them in repentance for the forgiveness of sins y'all see that so what does transformation look like how do i show that my repentance is for real well let's look how john answers the crowd when they ask then what should we do then <laughs> They came out saying, you're calling us a brood of vipers, you, you're, not, you, you're telling us that we're not doing it right, so, so what should we do? Look how he first deals with teaching benevolence. You see, that's just a simple teaching of benevolence. Doing out of things out of love, not for profit. He says, share with what you have. <laughs> what do you mean? How does that showing that I've been repentant? Well, if you have two tunics, share one. If you have food, then share. Do you notice it does not say if you have more than enough food. If you have more than one tuna, he says share that one tuna. But it just says share your food, which means this, that you ought to be able to sacrifice. Can someone say sacrifice? Your food to give to somebody else, because sacrifice costs something. A sacrifice costs something. That means that, right, I'm sitting down eating my hamburger, my, my hamburger. You ask for my hamburger and I'm looking at you and say, no, you need to get your own. I'm not being Christian, am I? We, we, we can, we can justify and say, well, he's right because it's his hamburger, but yet you go to somebody else that says that they love the Lord and they see you ask for my hamburger, but they say, hey, I'll help you out. Here, here's half of mine. I didn't show the pra- proper attitude. But someone else did, because when you are a Christian, you look at how can I be a blessing to somebody else? We claim it. We say it. Do unto others as we have them do unto us. Well, if you are hungry and somebody has some food, wouldn't you want them to share it with you? So how dare we act like that, that we cannot share with somebody else. But we're going to wait until I get mine. Then I give yours. No, that's the world attitude. When I get mine, then I give you yours. I got to get mine first. But we serve a God who freely forgave us, who canceled our debt and restored our credit. Then we should be able to share with those who are less than us and restore upon them and be freely and liberal in giving to them just as our God is to us. Look how secondly he addresses the tax collectors who come out to be baptized. The tax collectors, he tells them that they should not extort. Uh, 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 I'm sorry, he exhorts them to not to collect more than what they should. The step of baptism is great, but you need to repent and show the fruit when you go back to your job. (laughs) He said, it's one thing for you to come out here in the wilderness and say we were baptized and we repent, but you go back to your job acting the same. They should see that you are that you are not like the other corrupt tax collectors, that you are different, that you have a change of nature, a change of character, that you will realize that people will see that you are different because you have now changed your life and your style, that you will realize that men and women will want to come and pay you their taxes and not run from you. (laughs) Then also check this out. In our jobs, in our lives, do we not need to see people of, who claim to be Christians, profess to be Christians, who said they've been baptized? Do we not to see men and women living in integrity in our jobs? Have ethical behavior that's becoming of our God. Seeing young people that say they love the Lord living a life of purity and chastity. Seeing those say they love the Lord but being honest and, integri- and having integrity when they're dealing with money. Not making allowance to cheat and to fudge the lines to make them gray areas. But we are to walk in the light and to live in the light because we, we are the light. The light that gives direction and protection. We follow the light that gives life. We follow the light that is the light of this whole world. And we are to be lights just like him. But when we live in darkness, all we do is cause fear and despair. Because think what darkness causes, fear and despair. So when we're living in darkness, we have fear on people. That's why some people don't like to go to people because they don't see the Christian light in you. Why would I want to come to you when I know you're going to, exhort, you're going to extort from me? You're going, to, you're going to falsely use me for your benefit. That's not the Christian attitude. But then he gives another point out too. he speaks to the soldiers. One, he says, do not ex- do extort money. Do not falsely accuse. And, and last, he says, be content with your pay. I was, I was laughing at this as I was reading about the soldiers because we could say, well, I'm not a soldier, so that's not my issue. But we could look at our jobs and we could find out that we have a lot of the same issues. That, that we are looking how we can use things to for our advantage to get more money. The soldiers are in a place of position that they can, the, the, another word to translate this word is, is, is called shakedowns. <laughs> to shake people down for the money. You know when you got somebody that shakes you down, you know what we call them. We call them gangsters. <laughs> call them hustlers. Call them sharks. How much more are we then when we do that to people? That we shake them down for their money. We hustle them to get what we want. With that good old promise, I promise I'll pay you back. We know some folks like that, do we not? Claim to be Christians and loving and benevolent, and they, t- they go on your, uh, to on your kind and say, hey, give me this. I'll, I'll, I'll take care of you. I'll pay you back. And, and you see them years later, and they keep on saying, I not want to get shit back, but they got a brand new car. We are not to be there to take money from people. then also, says, do not falsely accuse. We, too, need to be careful that when someone says something about someone, you don't know it to be true that you add on. I, I, I heard about that. No, 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 no. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. Realize that those kind of conversations don't happen with you because you end them. You don't begin them. That when they come to you, say, well, let's pray about them. No, I don't want to pray with them. Let's stop talking about them. It's too often times that as Christians, we help flame the fires of gossip and end the fires then he says to be content with your pay to the soldiers the soldiers probably, you know, are looking saying, I'm doing a lot more work than that general, a lot more work than that captain, a lot more work than that sergeant. I should be getting paid more money. How true it is that oftentimes it seems to be that when you are in more of a laborious job more than the compared to a sitting at a desk job that you say, I'm doing more work than so-and-so, so I should get paid more money. Not to argue, say that you are wrong for feeling that way. That's fine as that you feel that way. That's, But the point is this, that you should realize it to be content. With what you have, because if you are if you are worthy of getting cash check this out, God is not slack. <laughs> God is able to provide anybody here. Know God to be a provider. That when you are just trusting him, doing your job, doing what you ought to do, being ethical and one of integrity, he will make sure he'll take care of his people. Why? Because we are to be the example of how to live right for him. Yes, hardships do come. Yes, people do lose their jobs. Yes, people will get fired. But yes, you can have peace. (laughs) That I didn't cheat to hold on. (laughs) I didn't steal to hold on. I didn't lie to Because those who do do so may still have their jobs pretty soon or later. They get caught up and they in jail. (laughs) They're without jobs. Their name now becomes infamous. We can, we can go to the newspapers and look now from people that have all kinds of positions, from being in the pulpit, from being into Congress, that they have done things they should not have done and now are locked up. How can we say we are Christians and live a life of corruption? How can we say we are Christians but we can't share with our neighbors? How can we say we are Christians but we use our jobs to take advantage of those who are less than us? Or worse yet, we look down upon them when we serve them. Oh, I'm better than them. How dare they? Transformation—it comes from the inside out. We should not be doing money for doing things for money for greed. We should not abuse our authority and accuse others because we can pass blame on them and not take responsibility for our own actions. We should be the ones showing the example how to be humble, how to be servants, how to trust. In the Lord. Looking at these three examples that John has given to us from preaching and teaching out in the wilderness, that transformation should be evident in those who see us. People should be able to see change in our lives because what happened in our lives. We need to show it in everyday life because being a Christian is an everyday thing. It's not a Sunday, it's not a Wednesday thing. It's an Everyday thing. Too many times we allow people to make Christianity of what we do only on Sunday. But we should point out to them that I serve my Lord every day. That's what will come out of our mouth. So they realize that I'm going to be benevolent. I'm going to be caring. I'm going to be praying. I'm going to worship him now because tomorrow is not promised. But today is the day that the Lord has made. I shall rejoice and be glad. And y'all familiar with that psalm? You realize it didn't say today is Sunday. It says, this is the day that the Lord has made. I shall rejoice and be glad. And so every day we wake up, we're, we're able to see something up on the sill. You might not be able to get out the bed, but you got up and you can look up. You can say, thank you, Lord. <laughs> and, and may that be your motivation throughout the day, that every opportunity you can give it back to the Lord and say, how can I be a blessing to somebody else? For our last example, we can look to whom John was preaching and preparing the way for, Jesus. They were so touched by John that people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their heads if John might possibly be the Christ. John answered them all, I baptize you the water, but one more powerful than I will come. The thongs of his sinners I am not worthy to untie. And look what he says. He says, he will baptize you w- with the Holy Spirit and with fire. I want to highlight before we get to, to the last example that he points out this fire thing. If you look back early, he points out to them there who, who bears no fruit, what? Will be cut down and burned. The fire does not gr- does not matter, and does not even affect those who came to repent, because fire represents judgment, but those who are not ready to change those who have rejected, they are ready to burn and and, and he says that the axe is already at the root of the trees that bear what? No fruit, which means this that those who bear no fruit have become wood for the fire. <laughs> And so we need to realize that as the axe is already poised. Uh, I, I, I've, I've done a little workout in the, in, the, in the garden, but I've never cut down a tree. But I've seen people do it, so that made me an expert. <laughs> and so I saw the axemen take their axe, and before they make their first swing, they place it at the root, meaning that they're ready to go. Now I've got it the, the point where I'm going to start chopping away. And and so we need to realize that God is ready to judge. He's at the point where he's ready to chop away. But yet, you look closely here, John is preparing the way for Jesus, letting them know that you still have time before he swings. Anybody here glad that you still got time? <laughs> because if he came if he came to judge us it's all over but he came to save us so that we might have life and have life everlasting and so he's so they're looking at, at John and saying I'm looking for the Messiah he points out to them no I'm not him and look as great as you think of it look what John is showing them to as great as you think of me I am lesser than him I am way less I'm not even good enough to untie his sandal. It, it, it took me a long time to understand what it meant to untie his sandals. To tie them means they're clean. He hasn't worn them yet. They fresh. I'm going to put them on to you. To untie them means you don't walk through some mess, <laughs> some dirt, and some mud. And that's what a servant would do. To untie your dirty. he I'm not going to touch those things. You know, untie them. Here you go. But he says, "I'm not even worthy to just untie his dirty sandals." He realized his position as high they put him. I says, "I'm only pointing to you, one who is greater, and that is Jesus, who's going to baptize us with the Holy Spirit. Those who confess and repent, and we will receive, as it was on Pentecost, the gift of the Holy Ghost." So Jesus is coming to save, and He also will judge. Jesus came and also showed us how to live a life that is changed. He showed his disciples how to be benevolent by serving others and feeding four and five thousand. <laughs> he shared how he too can give, how, how we need to give what is right and not cheat well. Then he said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. You find that in Luke 20, 25. Lastly, Jesus taught them to do, uh, do to others as you would like them to do to you. And Jesus made this last point clear in how he lived his life. John opens up, tells you if you have two tunics share, if you have food share, well, what did Jesus do for us? He died for us so that we may live. He shared his life. And if you look at the example of how he shared his life, he was willing to make a sacrifice. Tell your neighbor, sacrifice costs something. You realize that if I'm going to give up my meal, I means I'm giving up my meal, <laughs> but it's cost me something. I got to sacrifice. Jesus did not just only give up his meal, give up his time, give up his money. He also gave up his life. That means if I truly want to show transformation in my life, I must give up my life which means I deny myself and pick up my cross and follow after Christ. What does transformation look like? Transformation looks like I changed in my life that I used to be a liar, but long, now you see me telling on myself. I used to steal, but now you see me have an honest living. I used to fornicate, but now you see me in purity. I I used to be a drunk, but now you see me sober. I used to do all these other things, but now I'm changed. That should be our testimonies. And when people see us, they can realize that there's changing in your character. And I want to know why your conduct of your character has changed. And you can point out it's because Christ is in me. And because he is in me, it's changed the poison stuff that was in me that used to come out and kill other people. But now I got the goodness, the joy of the Lord in me. And when that joy gets so good in me, I got to share with somebody else because he says, I will give you peace. I will give you joy in abundance, which means it should overflow and and what you see now is the overflow in my life that the reason why i can smile though i just lost my job because my father is still on the throne the reason why i can smile though you bury my loved one in the grave he's still on the throne the reason why i can make it even though the storms may come he's still on the throne the reason why i can do all this is because he's changed me from the inside out And so when we have this transformation aspect, we start looking how Jesus is the great example that John was pointing to us, to how we shall now live. Jesus showed us that I live to glorify the Father. If Jesus lived to glorify the Father, how much more should we live to glorify the Father? If Jesus was willing to give up his life, for his friends how much more are we willing to give up our lives to those who we say are our friends will we give up our time will we give up our money will we give up our resources? we claim to be christians we claim to love god but we can't help you out when you need money i'm thinking about how you take it away from what i'm going to eat no 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 nah. you should be sharing tell your neighbor sacrifice costs something If we look at how we look at the great sacrifice that was done on Calvary. And we understand that sacrifice costs him everything. And we get all the benefits. It costs his life. And you understand he cried out on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I think about how he cried out for us. But we can cry out that I'm accepted. I'm a child of God. I have power. I have victory. I am more than a conqueror. I can look at the face of death and say, death, where is thy sting? Oh, death, where is thy victory? Because we got the power in Jesus. And since we got the power in Jesus, people ought to see that power. They ought to experience that power. We ought to show that power. And that power is to show them that we can have peace in the midst of trouble. That we have men and women that know what ethics look like. They understand morality and integrity. They understand honesty. Realize that we will not use our positions to advance us, but we will use it. We will use it to advance others. Do you see how they came out to John saying, then what should we do? Realizing I, it's not just safe for me to say I'm a Christian, it's not just safe for me to say I belong to this church. It wasn't safe for them to say we are descendants of Abraham. What mattered most was where's your transformation? Because you can give lip service and have your heart far away from God. But the Lord is desperate for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. The Lord is desperate that we repent and not perish. So the repentance comes from a change of mind, a change of attitude will lead to a change of life. And in this change of life, you'll see the fruit by others' people realizing the change in you. And so it's challenged upon us to make sure that we get that change from the inside, that we are no longer marked as children not of God, but we are marked and described as children of God by living in obedience to our God. Everybody with eyes closed. Hallelujah. Amen. You can worship him. Hallelujah. Bless your name, Almighty Father, Lord. Mm-hmm.